want to invite you to turn in the back of your Psalter hymnals to Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 38. We continue on here in our series through the Heidelberg Catechism, which at this portion of the Catechism is a series in the Ten Commandments. And here in Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 38, we focus our minds and hearts on the Fourth Commandment concerning God's will for us in the Fourth Commandment. You notice there's only one question here, question answer 103, but it's a beautiful question and answer that focuses our minds on what we believe about God's will for us in the fourth commandment. So I'll say the question and let us say together the answer of question answer 103. Beloved Christian, what is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? First, that the gospel ministry and schools for it be maintained and that especially on the festive day of rest, I diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to the Lord publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways and let the Lord work in through his spirit and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Well, now I'd invite you to turn to the scriptures first to Exodus chapter 20, a familiar place where we read the Ten Commandments, and we'll read there the first four commandments. Then we'll turn to Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8. First, beginning with Exodus 20, verses 1 through 11. Hear now God's holy word. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the third on, of the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You can keep your finger there and now turn to Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. The title here in my ESV Bible is Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath. That's what we see here in Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8. Here we read, At that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, Your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did 
when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. May he bless this word to our hearts this evening. Well, we live in a busy and fast-paced world. Ours is the world of high-speed internet, right? Amazon Prime, endless news, and thousands of shows that we could watch on Netflix or on Amazon. We are a people in our culture who are always on the go here in Southern California, right? We're headed off to school, to sports practices and games, to school meetings, to catechism classes, to work, to our favorite hobbies, and it's hard to catch our breath sometimes. I might even be stressing you about by listing these things on a Sunday when you're trying to rest. Moreover, this world that we live in rarely tells us to slow down, right? Instead, we're told you need to work more, you need to achieve more, you need to produce more, you need to make more money. Uh, Bill Gates was once asked why he didn't believe in God, and part of his answer was this. He says, just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on Sunday morning. But one of the words that God wants to mark our lives is the word pause, the word rest. Pause in order that you might rest and worship God. You see, when Israel came out of Egypt, they lived under the tyranny of Pharaoh. And one of the things that made them cry out to God in their distress was the grueling work that Pharaoh laid upon them. There were a people who never got a break. They were always working, always producing, always living under the heavy hand of Pharaoh. But what did God do when he liberated them from Egypt? God graciously and lovingly gave them a new rhythm to their life a rhythm that would refresh them, a rhythm that would give them life as his people. And today we want to think about that sabbatical rhythm that God gives his church. We want to think about the blessing of this command. Sometimes when we think of the fourth commandment, we just think about what you can do or not do. Sometimes we ignore this commandment. Sometimes we just set it aside or just debate it. Today we want to consider the blessing of this command. We're going to follow a similar flow as we did to last week. We're going to think first, uh, what does this commandment mean? Second, how do we often fall short of it? Third, how does Jesus fulfill it? And fourth, how do we walk in this command by God's spirit? So first, beloved, what does this commandment mean for us? Well, first, going all the way back to the beginning, this commandment means that we pattern God in his work and in his rest. Uh, This commandment, you see, it points us all the way back to the creation. It actually grounds the Sabbath in the creation. Why should we keep the Sabbath day holy? Exodus 20, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. The Sabbath principle is rooted in creation. 
meaning from the very beginning of our existence as human beings, we were made with this flow of working and resting. In fact, the first thing that God blessed in the Bible explicitly was the Sabbath day, the day of rest. See, God built into this world, into the very fabric of humanity, rest and work. And we are called to reflect all people, his image as those who work and who rest. Now, stick with me here. This teaches us then that the moral law of God even precedes the giving of the Ten Commandments. Right, implying that this principle is not brand new once we read it here in Exodus 20, but it's something that goes all the way back even before the explicit giving of the law. As some commentators put it, the Ten Commandments here in Exodus or in Deuteronomy 5 are simply the moral law of God fashioned, packaged for the people of Israel. But this law, this Sabbath principle was even with Adam in the garden and Eve. It's written on our hearts as those made in God's image. And so when you read the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus, you have to actually separate that moral principle from the civil and the ceremonial aspects. What do I mean? Well, for Israel, there were civil aspects to the fourth commandment. You could actually be killed in Israel if you broke the Sabbath. There were ceremonial aspects to the Sabbath day for Israel, such as the day of worship. That day was changed in the New Testament. But we see in the New Testament the moral substance of the law, that principle of working and resting and worship remains. Why? Because it's rooted not in Israel, but it's rooted in creation. Again, Israel came out of Egypt where they worked seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. It was an awful, grueling pace to life. But here in the fourth commandment, God reminds them that he is not oppressive like Pharaoh, that he is not heavy handed, but he is a God who brings rest and refreshment to his people. And Israel was to celebrate that liberation that God gave to them. And that's the second thing that we see in this command. We not only pattern God in our work and our rest, but secondly, we praise God for his salvation. After God created everything in six days, we're told God rested on the seventh day. Now, children, why did God rest? Was God tired after making the world for six days? Did he need to take a break like you and me, taking a nap maybe this afternoon? No, we read of God resting, and that term that God uses of himself speaks of God entering into communion with the creation that he made, showing that God desires intimacy with the world that he made and with us. God wants us to remember that he is our creator and he's also our redeemer. Again, the Ten Commandments show up in another book of the Bible. I quoted already, children. Maybe you remember it's Deuteronomy 5. And in Deuteronomy 5, when the fourth commandment is given, there's actually another basis basis to it there. And here's what it says in the Deuteronomy flavor of the Ten Commandments. It says, remember that you were a slave in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Remember, God is not only your creator, but Moses is saying, remember, he's your redeemer. You know, why do we gather together for worship on Sundays? Part of the reason, beloved, is that we might come and remember God's mercy to us in Jesus Christ. 
and because we are a people who are often forgetful. We forget the character of God in our day-to-day living and how powerful he is, how awesome he is. We forget his promises. We forget our identity in Christ and who we are. We forget that we're going to heaven one day, that there's glory that awaits us. Again, think of how quickly Israel forgot God's wondrous works towards them. When they were redeemed out of Egypt, going through the Red Sea, right? Seeing literal waves on one side and the other, seeing their enemies crushed by those waves. They saw God's hand, but were told when they got into the wilderness, they actually forgot all of that. And they began to grumble and wonder if God would provide. Well, part of the reason God gave them the Sabbath was to say this. I know that you are a people who are prone to forget. And so I want to give you a day where you are set aside to be reminded of my salvation so that you can have a day because of your weakness to remember who I am and all that I have done for you in Jesus Christ. So that's what this command at the heart of it. We pattern God and his work and his rest, and we also praise God for our salvation. Well, brothers and sisters, how do we often fall short of this command? That's our second question. How do we often fall short? Well, one way we fall short is we fail to work well and we fail to rest well. See, this commandment, the fourth commandment, also speaks of our work. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, right? Work is not a result of the fall of man, but work is part of God's very good creation. But the problem is we don't always work well. We don't know how to stop working. We don't always have a great relationship with our work. In the words of commentator Philip Ryken, we need a good work ethic and we need a good leisure ethic. You know, some of us might struggle with being lazy and not actually working well with the gifts that God has given to us, but I think many of us struggle with that leisure ethic. We struggle with resting well. Even on Sundays, if you're like me, sometimes it's hard just to press pause. Your mind is already thinking about your to-do list, what you have to do on Monday. We're workaholics in our hearts. But beloved, this goes against God's very good pattern in creation. The Sabbath is a time for physical and spiritual rest. Again, it's a day just to press pause on all of our ordinary labors. That Hebrew word for Sabbath actually means cease or rest. And we cannot outdo as human beings God's design. If we push ourselves too much with work, with activities, with so much busyness, our bodies will actually begin to manifest that stress. I heard one pastor say it like this, we got to take a Sabbath or the Lord will Sabbath us, right? Our bodies will fail us because God has built this pattern into our very being as human beings. And so how is your work ethic and how is your leisure ethic? Be able to rest mentally, physically, especially on the day of rest. We fail to work and rest well. That's one way we fall short, beloved. Another way we fall short of this command is we forsake the gathering of God's people. We live in a day where you can live or listen to thousands of sermons, right, on sermon audio or on YouTube. You could attend virtual Bible studies and Zoom meetings where you could see other Christian believers. And I think it's very good that we have these resources and the ability to listen to God's word throughout the week. We have to remember these are not a substitute for embodied Christian worship, right? There's a Christian comedian, John Chris, who made a video a few years ago, I think this was before COVID, um, of 
putting on virtual reality goggles and being able on Sunday, you know, put on your goggles and you could select, right, everything you want out of a church. The kind of pastor, right, the way he preaches, music style, architecture, create your own church experience. And it was meant to be a comedy sketch, but right now I think we're seeing maybe it's more and more reality. But God reminds us that Christianity is an embodied religion, right? God calls us to come to a real place and see real people. He calls us to do things that are physical, take bread and wine and remember the body and blood of Christ, put those in your mouth, to experience water baptism, to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage each other, to greet one another. Right, I was reminded recently of one of the most frequent commands in the New Testament is this, greet one another with a holy kiss. Right, you can't do that over Zoom, right? You can't give holy kisses over Zoom. And so there are times when it's okay to stay home, right? Maybe you got small children, maybe you're sick, old age, weather. We could be providentially hindered from worship in many different ways. But the issue here is not coming to church when we know that we ought to. When we stay home out of laziness or apathy or busyness. God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And that word remember, it's not just an intellectual term, but it's an active term, right? If I say to you, remember your anniversary, I'm not just saying, right, think about your anniversary in your head, but make sure you do certain things to make that day special, right? Get a card or some flowers or some chocolate. Remember is an active thing, something that you do to make a day special. God is saying, when it comes to my day of rest, keep it special, keep it holy. Well, one final way that we fall short of this command, beloved, is when we focus our attention on the wrong things when it comes to the fourth commandment. We could actually pervert the Lord's day when we turn this day of blessing into a day of burden. And that's what we saw in Matthew 12 with the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees saw God's command, but then what did they do? They built extra commandments around the command like a wall. And they made up their own man-made rules that people should adhere to if they really wanted to keep the Sabbath day holy. In my studies, uh, I came across this example in a commentary of a rabbi who was asked, is it okay to load the dishwasher on the Sabbath? And he responded saying it would not be considered work if the dishwasher were not loaded in a systematic way. But if you simply threw the dishes in in a disorderly way, that would be just fine. (laughs) My wife would hate that answer, by the way. But you see, these man-made rules, whether this is a real story or not, you know, it, it takes the focus off of where it should be, right? Pastor Sinclair Ferguson put it like this. The Pharisees were like the committee of a golf club, which had beautiful fairways on which to play. You know, think Pebble Beach or Glen Abbey. But in order to preserve the fair race from becoming cut up with divots, they insisted that the golfers always play their shots from the rough grass on the side. But golf courses, like Sabbaths, are meant to be enjoyed, not preserved as a living museum. Tragically, the Pharisees were turning the day of blessing into a burden. The Pharisees, you see in our text, rebuked Jesus and his disciples for what they were doing. How does Jesus respond? Jesus shows them the higher 
biblical principle that's actually behind the Sabbath day. Reminding the Pharisees the Sabbath was meant to bless mankind. Again, Ferguson writes in his commentary on this passage, the Sabbath was given to man to meet his needs and bring him special blessing, not to restrict his life and reduce him to a rule-keeping robot. There's a higher principle at work, Jesus says to the Pharisees, and it's this, I desire mercy, he says, quoting from Hosea chapter 6. This is a day of rest and worship, and it's also a day of mercy and showing and doing good. He highlights David here in our text, who was actually serving God when he took that showbread and ate it with his people. He highlights the, the Levites who were serving God on the Sabbath as they worked as priests. Jesus himself was serving God on the Sabbath day when he healed many people and when he did various miracles because he says it's right to do good on the Sabbath. That's why in the early church, it was often on the Lord's day where believers would show hospitality to one another, doing good when they would visit the sick and the widows, when they would do good to the poor. Right? Maybe in our busy schedules, we don't always have time for those works of mercy throughout the week. Remember, the Sabbath is a day not only to receive from the Lord, but it's also a day to do good in Jesus' name to those among us and even those outside of us, showing works of mercy and kindness, because the Sabbath is meant to be a day of blessing for mankind. God made the Sabbath for man to refresh him, to bless him, and to strengthen him. Well, how does Jesus fulfill this commandment? How is it new even in this New Testament era? Well, this is our third point. How does Jesus fulfill this command? And here's the first thing. Jesus worked to give us rest. In the beginning, you might remember, God made Adam and Eve to work and to rest. And he actually held out to Adam a a higher life, a time of rest, you might say, that was symbolized in the tree of life. But we know that Adam failed to enter into God's ultimate rest. Likewise, Israel, you remember, they were brought into a land flowing with milk and honey, the land of Canaan. This was a place of rest and refreshment. But they too failed to remain in that place of rest because of their sin and disobedience. The question is, how can we enjoy rest, true rest? The New Testament tells us Jesus finished the work that Adam failed to do and Israel failed to do on our behalf. That where they were unfaithful and where we're unfaithful, Jesus was faithful in his life. In John 17, in his high priestly prayer, before he goes to the cross to actually suffer for our sins, Jesus says this. He prays this to the Father. He says, Father, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. And after suffering on the cross for our sins, Jesus said what? It is finished. What is finished? Our salvation, everything that we need to be right with God, our eternal rest is secured by Jesus Christ, and he gives it freely to all who will trust in him. That's why he says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus worked to give us rest. He earned the rest that our hearts are craving today. And when we repent of our sins, when we cease fighting against God and we trust in him, we experience that rest in our souls. When we take his yoke upon us, 
we find that Jesus is not like the oppressive boss that we have or the rulers in our land, but he is a God who gives us refreshment and life in his own name. He's the good shepherd. He's the living water. He's the bread of life. All of these life-giving analogies of who Jesus is for us to give us rest. And so Jesus worked to give us rest. And connected with this, Jesus transforms the day of rest. Why we read of New Testament Christians gathering on the first day of the week. You could see that in the letters of Paul. You could see it in the book of Revelation. Why the change in the day of worship? Why didn't we go to church yesterday? It's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus's resurrection actually brings about a new creation. Christ's gospel, you see, even brings about a new rhythm to our life. Think about this. The Old Testament pattern was work leading to rest on the seventh day. But now that Christ has come and finished the work of salvation, the pattern is flipped. God says, first, I want you to rest, and then I want you to work. First, come, receive from my hand, God says, be blessed in your body and soul, be refreshed by me, and then in joyful gratitude, go out this week and serve me and work in the callings I have placed upon your life. Abound in good works in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As the reformer B.B. Warfield put it, Christ took the Sabbath into the grave with him and he brought the Lord's day out of the grave with him on that first resurrection morning. Jesus brings about a new creation. And so again, that, that first day shows us that the church is free from all of those civil and ceremonial aspects of the law that were fulfilled in Christ. In the New Testament, some Jewish Christians still wanted to hold on to particular Sabbath days and seasons. And Paul says, hey, that's okay. But you're not to impose those things on your Gentile brothers and sisters who are now part of the church because those types and shadows are fulfilled in Christ. Well, finally, beloved, how can we walk in this command of God in light of the gospel of Christ? Well, perhaps most obvious first, Corporately, we could come together to worship with God's people one in seven, one day out of seven. If we confess to love Jesus as the head, we must also be joined to his body, the church here on earth. And our enjoyment of Sunday, even days like today, can actually start on Saturday. We call this sometimes in our house our pre-Sabbath Sabbath, where we actually maybe set out some clothes beforehand, maybe some breakfast try to just pray for those who are preaching on Sunday, pray for our own hearts, try to get to bed early. And then we are to come on Sunday and diligently attend the gathering of God's people. As we heard this morning, to engage our minds and our hearts as we listen and learn, as we participate, as we pray together, as we serve one another, as brothers and sisters doing good to the household of faith. And as we do this in faith, we're actually getting a taste of that eternal rest that is still ahead of us. See, this Lord's Day, we're one day closer, one Sunday closer to our final rest. One day there's going to be no more gatherings like this, but when Jesus comes, we're finally going to enter in to that final rest that we're longing for as God's people. Hebrews 4 says this, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
You see, the church today, we're looking backwards as we think about how Jesus fulfilled this command and we're remembering what he did. But as the church, we're still looking forward, aren't we, to that final rest, that day where we get to put off our sin, that day where we get to stop turning on the news and reading bad news in this world and finally see the new creation come in all of its fullness. And God says, today, I want you to have a taste of that. I want you to know my goodness and grace that is with you now as you even now begin to taste of your eternal rest. So corporately, we come one day out of seven to experience that. And finally, beloved, individually, as our catechism says, we rest in Jesus every single day. The catechism reminds us here that we're not to just be Sunday-only Christians, right? But every day we read, we are to let God work in us by his Holy Spirit. Every day on top of our busy to-do list, we can write that the most important thing has already been accomplished, salvation in Christ. And from that declaration, it is finished. We can do all that we do with gratitude and with confidence, knowing that God is with us, allowing him to work in us by his Holy Spirit, all of our ordinary labors. So, dear church, remember that the Sabbath was meant to be a blessing to your soul. It's a day of gospel celebration. And maybe you still have some questions on what you can do or not do on Sunday. But here's the thing. If we can see the blessing of this day and what God intends for us in this day to honor him and to be refreshed by him, I think all of those questions can be resolved in our hearts. I think the better question of, is this sin, is the question, is this helping me to worship and experience God's rest today, on this day that he has made to be a blessing? So dear brothers and sisters, may we look forward every week to the Lord's day as a day of refreshment to us in every way, body and soul, and may the Lord bless us as we call his day of rest a delight. Amen. Let's pray. Indeed, our great God, help us to call this most special day a delight. Help us to know what it means to be still and to know that you're God. And help us to rest in Christ and to enjoy, Lord, the sweetness of his gospel. Lord, grow our expectation and our longing for that final day of rest. And we thank you, Lord, that it's coming. We long for it, Lord. We pray that Jesus would come quickly. Take us home. Bring us to glory. Bring the new creation in all of its fullness. Until that most blessed day, we pray that on this day and on the Lord's days to come, we might get a taste, a real taste of that rest in our souls. Hear us, O Lord, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we can entertain some questions and comments on the fourth commandment. But beloved, remember that as we go into this week, we go from God's blessing, so receive it by faith. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Well, any questions at all that you have on the fourth commandment or anything related to the sermon, we can entertain those questions now. Brother George?